Hello, Pathfolk, and welcome to After Party 34, here with Find the Path. Hi. Covering. Now in the triple digits. Yes. We are officially triple digits. Is this the 100, 101, 102 situation? Yep. Yes. yes. Which means if we were a television show, we'd be in syndication. Bam, syndication. We're not actually in syndication. What we, is syndication? No, never mind. We do our own syndication. <laughs> I started asking a question, then I realized I don't care. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like that's, when you say, hey, how was your weekend? But you don't really want them to tell yeah, you. Yeah, I was going to say, to be was. fair, that's any time that, like, how was your day? And then I start telling her, and she's just like, Jesus. Excuse me, I listen <laughs> avidly. She now, does listen somewhat avidly. All right, so some recaps times. We had... A hundred, which was kind of an A side, B side situation. Technically, we're recapping four episodes, which it's I don't, true. I don't know what happened in the. Uh, yeah, I can't do which that. Side, which side was uh, Rachel and Heather's? Was A side. A side. Okay, I have no idea what happened in the A side. So let's see. A side was uh, so the party went two different directions. The double Citra date. and uh, Masika, yeah, having kind of a double date. It's sort of a weird double date because it's kind of a double date at Masika's mom's. <laughs> yeah, uh, weird. that's really weird. They didn't have a restaurant in uh, it's in a, your camp in the tent. It's a camp. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> you, you just go up to like that one person that's a really good cook and like does the cook, camp cooking. That one guy. I mean, you gotta, you the Assyrian yeah. equivalent of Jordan Ramsay. <laughs> Jordan Ramsey. Jordan Ramsey. <laughs> the discount Gordon Ramsey. Jordan discount Ramsey. Gordon Randy. Jordan Ramsey. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh no. It's Jordan, one of those kind it's of Jordan parties. stage name. Uh, Jordan Ramsey. <laughs> Jordan Ramsey. <laughs> he does like to scream at food. <laughs> what are you? An idiot sandwich. <laughs> uh, anyway. Gordon Ramsey is a treasure and also so, so mean. So, so yeah, like his kid show. There was a some backstory stuff. Yeah, there's some backstory, uh, some backstory development and everything else. A, a kind of maybe a budding friendship developing between uh, Masika and Citra. Falto and Citra had a whole heart to heart. Falto got all serious there for a while. Mm-hmm. They're going steady. Yep. Well, no, it was, it was more about like Falto coming to grips with the fact that his father may have been a genocidal person. <laughs> well, I guess so. But we also talked issue. about going steady. So. They also yeah. talked about going steady. So yeah, they. Exchanged favors. It's like Stardew Valley, you know. You, you gave, gave them, them the bouquet of Yeah, flowers. there you go. <laughs> when will we get the mermaid necklace? <laughs> have to find I have to wait I was going to say I have to find that. a mermaid, but Masika's close. <laughs> <laughs> Make a necklace. <laughs> you can use my shells. I collect them. <laughs> and Masika carries them, and it's he like collects why shells and rocks and other things that do not seem to fit in his body cavity. Why, why just, are my pockets so heavy? I just <laughs> Yeah, I just imagine that like at the end of the day, Masika empties her pockets and is like, how did this get here? What is this? Narmer! <laughs> <laughs> I have a very high slide of hand. <laughs> he does. <laughs> it's Heather's fault. She gets to suffer. <laughs> and, and do you, uh, and Narmer has what, the prankster? Yep. Archetype? archetype. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, so you can have uh, Heather roll luck checks if we, like, if weight matters, like encumbrance. <laughs> And if she rolls poorly, she's encumbered because Narmer has added too much stuff to her pockets and bags. Hey, I just added this whole giant bag full of beetle uh, beetle eggs. Oh, no, they all hatched. Oh, no. 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 Covered in beetles. No. No. Oh, but it's I have a shawarm attack now. Oh, look, it's, it can be the scene in The Mummy when all the scarabs come out and start Ugh. eating the people. Stop yeah. it. Why are y'all... Mad at Masika, what's she doing? <laughs> uh, but yeah, and at the uh, the end of that episode, you'd found out that uh, Sudi had put on the mask, and then moving sideways, we'd gone back in time and then went through Sudi and Hollis's day. 
Mm-hmm. We learned, yeah, they did some shopping. Sudi uh, learned that there's a old woman selling incense that... She knew stuff, man. Yeah. She like was, deep stuff. She remembered about the, the eyes of Ra and the... And that they weren't all gone. Well, not necessarily Well, the not eyes the eyes of Ra, of Ra but, but like there might be other... Of the children of Sekhmet. Yeah. Part of like because the, the eyes of Ra are the I guess martial arm of the children of Segment. So. Well, it's it's easier to think of the children of Segment was a name that other people gave to the cat folk, as in their entire tribe. But the eyes of Ra were members of a religious order um, that just happened to be the same of town. So it's kind of like if if they called all the humans of a place like the children of the sun, because there was a temple to Serenre there. But then the paladins would have been, you know, it's like, and then they're the sun warriors. It's be kind of the difference where. Ah, uh, okay. Hmm. Fancy pants. But yeah, she knew stuff. Yeah. And uh, then we were ambushed by Kat, who obviously didn't buy our weak story about what we were actually up to. Hey, we didn't lie. We just omitted details. Yeah. Well, she saw right <laughs> We didn't that. lie. We just lied through a mission. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she, she put the pieces together and realized it didn't make sense. And we wanted an adult, but our adult was on a date. Yeah. And our adult was in the middle of <laughs> We did literally call out for Citra <laughs> saying we needed an adult. The 165-year-old elf was like, where is the adult? <laughs> where is that? Seven, 18? How old are you? 19. 19. 19-year-old human. <laughs> it's very important. <laughs> need to keep track of all of your birthdays so that maybe one day one of you won't be a teenager anymore. I'm See, not, guess a not a teenager. That's I don't true. think I actually picked her birthday. You know what? So. You should. You should. Oh, I always pick birthdays for my characters. I usually do, but I didn't have it written down. Oh. So the first you- person that goes on our subreddit and posts the date in the Galarian calendar, that will be Citra's birthday. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll keep an eye on that. Yeah. Is it first post or who got the most upvotes? First uh, post. I want to know if someone's going to pause at this point in the episode. And go <laughs> and go check. They're really going to go check. <laughs> uh, then we uh, did a ritual. We did a ritual. Yeah, it's true. It did. was cool. It was yeah. a spooky occult ritual. And I kept being told that Masika could help, and then I asked Masika, and Masika does not have the knowledge to make the thing to help with the ritual. <laughs> it's a little bit, of, yeah, a little bit of an awkward moment there, where it was like, yes, Masika helps with these rituals, and it's like, does she though? Hollis is like, it's fine. I'll learn it. We'll figure it out. <laughs> I like to think it's just like Masika helps with these rituals, and then three weeks earlier or whatever, it's like Masika, can you pass me that incense? Yes, thank you. You're so much help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds yes. about right. Yeah. Sounds about right. I love then it. you go back. To Cod, she's like, Yeah, she helps a lot. <laughs> Dang it, Cod, why you gotta see the best in people? Oh, but that was so hard having to choose between uh, Merit Hetaf and Sudi's oh, grandpa. Yeah, so okay, so here's the setup for the two uh, to you guys. We are doing this ritual, we get to contact somebody who has passed, and it's either Su- Sudi's grandfather because we have his stone. Or we can talk to Merit Hetaf and see what she knows about well, the silver chain and the cult of Forgotten Pharaoh. And for once, I I'm not sure if we picked the right one. I wanted to know about Sudi. I didn't want to know about Sudi, but after I thought about it, I was like, you know, it probably would have been wiser to do the other one. I'll let the audience in here behind the screen. I didn't anticipate it being a discussion. I just expected you to decide to speak with the spirit Merit Hetef, (laughs) which is why I originally thought that that episode was going to be, it's like, okay, it's going to be some Sudi's background, some of Hollis's background, (laughs) but then then it just turned into, it turned into the Sudi Contar show again. I just love Sudi. (laughs) Only every 50 episodes do we get to find out about Sudi backstory. No Hollis backstory. No, 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 no. Episode one, we got an info dump about Sudi. That's true, yeah. (laughs) Oh, that was my own personal fault. And then 50 episodes later. And then 50 episodes. Yeah, see? So episode 150, we're going to meet the cat folk. Yeah, Maybe. you're going to find out about, like, Sudi's illegitimate son or something. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I, I, no. That's, He's that's... a half cat folk. It's very weird. Oh, God. 
Well, I mean, Sudi's Sudi's eighteen now. Is seventeen. It? Seventeen. Okay. So yeah. I was gonna say usually you think he's sixteen. That's true. I can never keep track of Sudi. I'll make him eighteen. I mean, one day we'll do some <laughs> Hollis backstory. It's fine. We'll, we'll find out there. about Hollis's illegitimate son. Nah, Hollis is ace. She doesn't really do that. That's true. Illegitimate cousin. Sure. <laughs> Her. She has some weird family stuff, but it may never come up. Here's so, following that, we went on to uh, episode one hundred and one. Our hundred and first episode of the podcast, where we find out that Narmer is a little sneak thief. It was tense. Yeah, it was just a game. Also, Hollis was real grumps because she was uh, level drained. Oh yeah, because you that that ritual had the uh, effect of giving you a negative level. That hung out until one o two after the thing, but yeah, meh. yeah. It's true. But no, it was a. Uh, it's one of those things that, like, it's funny because we have, like, kind of the, the rule that we don't steal from each other because, you know, He wasn't party stealing things. to keep it. It was just but supposed was, to be a prank. Well, yeah, but it's also an interesting, like, way to, like, kind of force us into having to tell Masika because I'm not sure. It, it would have gotten really old if we didn't tell Masika what was up. I mean, I don't think, game. unless Rick orchestrated it that way, it was really just a natural thing that happened in Wine and Rachel's episode. Oh, it felt 100% like it was orchestrated. Oh. Yeah. I mean, on our side, it felt orchestrated. No. I think we were just talking, and Masika was like, hey, Narmer and I play this game. And Citra said, I don't think you can keep a secret. Yeah. So, as a game master, it was an organic thing. What? It, it just came up organically in the episode. I didn't know that. Then as the game master sitting there, I just saw this disparate thread and said, I can weave this together to a beautiful tapestry. I do wish it had been more than like two days. Because sure. eventually, like essentially, we got betrayed by the last person we befriended. They killed our friend. We meet a new person. Less than three days later, we tell her our whole life. That was all of y'all's decision. What's the point of hiding it if you're going to tell her any of it? Need to know. Yeah. Well, and y'all decided to tell Masika before Narmer had even told Masika anything about we even Sudi wearing a mask. Well, because we had a whole discussion about like, okay, what do, what would Narmer actually know? Like, what would he think if he did tell you? What would you think? Like, it's a whole like, well, it's better if it comes from us than if it comes from Narmer and you. He doesn't give you all the details and you just kind of fill in the blanks and think like, you know, we're with the cult or whatever. So, um, that was kind of the thought process that we went through, mm. which makes sense. Yeah. But it, it was one of those, like, I guess, now now that I know that it's just, like, an organic, like, thing that just happened, that it's, uh, it's kind of funny in that way, because, like, it felt so orchestrated on our side that I was like, how the heck does Narmer come in? And, like, you know, all this stuff, like, it just felt, like, very weird. But now that I see how it comes, I can see that it was just a, a nice opportunity for Rick. I, ca- I cursed my sad zero perception. Oh, gosh, no, I rolled awful on that perception roll, too, to notice Narmer. Well, apparently he's got, like, good stealth. What is his stealth? He's a tiny-sized creature. Yeah, what is his stealth, actually? 23. Wow. (laughs) I could not have seen him. I could have seen him. (laughs) It would have been a 50-50 chance whether I saw him. I could have not rolled high enough. Because with a perfect 20, I get a 20. With the 8 of my chicken, I get a 22. What does he get with a perfect 20? Uh, with a perfect 20, if it's visual, ba- if it's not visual and I just had to hear him, I'd get a 20, a 37. If it was a, if it was a visual, I'd have a, would that be 33, uh, three. 33. Wow. Math is hard right now. So, I mean, Narmer rolls an 11 and he's beating your visual. Yes. <laughs> yes. Know? And he has a really high sleight of hand too. Cause he's a prankster. Mm-hmm. Well, he's going to get pecked if he tries to get up, up in the, the Hollis bag. Hollis's bag is always guarded by a sugar. Mm-hmm. She has a right. better perception than me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And but it's her house. 
But yeah, you guys finished up on that. You actually, you set off, went off into the desert. We ended that episode with the tease of a, uh, a dragon fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it wasn't. Up, yeah. Surprise. Surprise. Uh, surprise. I'm actually kind of glad it wasn't a dragon fight because I was kind of sitting there going, we're ninth level. We are yeah. probably going to die. Depends, a baby. Yeah, it depends on how big the dragon was. Yeah. It's true. It was a dragon adjacent creature. Well, but it was as soon as you said like, "Oh, this is this 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 creature," and we don't, you know, we don't go near its lair and all that. I'm like, it's gonna be a big dragon because it was like a baby dragon. It'd be like whatever. But it was a behir. Well, keep in mind True. that even a baby dragon is gonna mess up some commoners yeah. and True. like the level one warriors that most of the tribe is made up of and That's things true. like that. We don't go anywhere near its lair, and then it flies out. It's about the size of a house cat. <laughs> <laughs> I love behirs. Yeah, so you had a fun Bahir fight. I almost uh, got swallowed. It definitely has a horde somewhere, I think. I'm pretty I sure know. I remember that. I have an inkling of thinking they have hordes, but I could be wrong. Well, we didn't really have a lot of time, and the divination failed. So. Yeah. Which was sad. Which you Not almost, that you couldn't have tried again. I was going to say, it, it is a rare thing that that actually fails for us, because usually we can get it off. I can't well, remember I mean, the last time it actually failed for You us. have a base 70% chance plus 1% per caster level. Yeah. So, I mean, most of the time you're working with a, a 3 out of 4 yeah. And so you're probably actually breaking about average because this is probably the fourth time you've used it. Oh, you mean this adventure path? Because I, I can't even remember the last time it failed, period. But then again, it might just been like, oh, well, we'll just prepare tomorrow. No big deal. Like, yeah. So. But just on the subject of that fight and uh, two things that this these last three episodes have kind of illustrated for me. And one is the, the difference of the feel now that you have left the urban environments. Oh, yeah. The last three episodes, the last about five episodes or so have been very... You're out in the open, it's wide open terrain. I'm having to use the entirety of the battle mat instead of mm-hmm. just being like, I draw three or four rooms. Uh, yeah. There's a lot more mobility, like Sudi's 40 foot movement speed comes into play a lot more. Yeah, boy. Mm-hmm. And it's been fun, it's been interesting. I've been enjoying that. And that this last fight has kind of illustrated how I can suddenly, you can't really use huge size creatures inside of dungeons. No, not really. Not unless it's like a massive ca- complex. Yeah, well, like built yeah, for it, yeah. you know. If you're playing like Giant Slayer or something, yeah, like exactly. That, sure. exactly. You know, they've got twenty foot wide doorways, but in the average ancient Osiriani tomb, there's not going to be a lot of huge sized creatures, unless there's maybe a huge sized golem that they built inside of the room. True. Then it can't get out of the room, and you can have like a funny get it stuck on the door thing, like in a <laughs> video game. It does that. It does that <laughs> thing where it puts its arm out and start reaches for you, and it just can't reach. Yeah. And so I, I found that interesting because I actually got to utilize a creature with gigantic reach and all sorts of neat abilities. It didn't even get to swallow anyone whole, which is disappointing. Almost. Me. Yeah, almost. But yeah, it, was uh, a, it was a close thing. I double checked the rules. I'm like, yeah, I can still swallow Sudi. No, we, we got, <laughs> yeah. we got a, a couple of really good hits off of it that kind of worked in our favor to prevent our new friend from getting eaten. Yeah. I would have been yeah. real upset if Masika had, had been swallowed whole and then died. Because it'd been like, eh. I would have been like, I'm done with this. It's like, come on, like, <laughs> no. what's up with that? Right. <laughs> I've been sad, but How, it was... uh, How's your armor voice? <laughs> <laughs> can, can you do the voice? I don't think I could. You can't do the voice. You I don't, don't want to give it a try. Keep your tongue at the roof of your mouth, which Jewish. I can't do. You gotta, you gotta, oh, like, I widen your. I can't really do it very well. Widen your mouth. That's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, widen your mouth more. <laughs> you gotta smile some while you do it. That's why he's so happy. <laughs> he's got a permanent grin. <laughs> He also, you know, can't really move his lips, so it is. He doesn't a smile. have lips, so does his he? little fishy mouth opening has lips. I don't well, know. I just figured they're little metal-like lips, yeah. and so they're stuck. Well, yeah. So he just opens and closes his flap, mouth flap. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> We're thinking far too hard about. He's magical, how he... and he can fly. Yeah, he yeah. can have lips that move. 
I mean, I mean it just kind of like opens and closes. Kind of like if Jim Henson had made a clockwork. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. It's just like it's Kermit the Frog. Uh, hello there. In catfish form. I can't do, I can't do Kermit. Oh, hello there. Where's Shot to Bed? Oh, no, it's not good. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. I'm not good at these things. I will say that this is one of those, like, the second time that I've tried to protect us from energy attacks and then there weren't any. <laughs> I know. And you also gave Sudi displacement and he ended up not needing it. You used it once because it did try to hit you one time. Oh, that's true. No, it did hit, but it got through the displacement. So I was like, yeah. I know, it was sad. Sad. <laughs> well, Still worth a shot. So the problem is, I guess to illustrate a little bit about this creature and, uh, and why I went that direction, its lightning blast actually does a fair amount of damage. It's 76. Um, mm. So it actually does a good amount of damage. But when you're looking at 76, you're looking at maybe like about 24 points of damage if you're lucky. Yeah. And with his uh, his bite attack, his bite attack is doing 2d8 plus or 2d6 plus 9. So his bite attack is already averaging about 15 points of damage. If I could have gotten that power attack off, it would have been way better. Mm. But then if it when it bites you, it then immediately gets to constrict if it mm. establishes the grapple, which does another 2d6 plus 9, as Masiko was dealing with. It hurts. It does yeah. a lot of damage. And then it can choose to, at the beginning of its next turn, it can choose to either swallow you, at which point you're taking uh, the damage from the inside, which I think might be another 2d6 plus 9. I don't have the book in front of me. Or it can choose to rake with six claws. Ooh. It does a devastating amount of damage. That's how you're saying, like, it will go bad quickly for you. Yeah. Yeah, and so when I was looking at it, I considered doing the the lightning blast and everything, but Masika did so much damage with that one hit yeah. that I just went, I, I can't justify him doing a lightning blast, especially because, I mean, the first thing that he wanted to do was just bite Sudi and swallow him. Which makes sense. And again, he would have retreated actually pretty soon after that. You hadn't gotten quite down to the retreating threshold, but ideally he wanted to swallow someone whole and then retreat. And then run away with them to snack on later. <laughs> Rude. Beer ball. Uh, <laughs> so. yeah, I bet, I bet Sudi could have cut his way out, though, because it doesn't have damage direction. It would be funny, though, yeah. if Masika gets swallowed whole and then Narmer, like wiggles his way out of the bag. It's like, I'll shave you. <laughs> Starts stabbing it on the inside. <laughs> Yeah, the worst are the things that have swallow hole that also have damage reduction. Uh, yeah. And you're just like sitting there with like a dagger or whatever trying to get out. And it's like, oh, well, this isn't going to work. Here's one of those interesting creatures where it didn't have a huge AC. Um, I think it has an AC 21, which for a challenge rating of eight isn't bad, but it's actually a little bit behind the curve. I think it's a balance that it does a lot of damage. Yeah, I think it had 105 hit points, so it had a lot of hit points. Hmm. But it does so much damage. Yeah. But it doesn't really have another shtick after that. Mm. It's just like I do tons of damage. I can do a lightning bolt breath. It only I think it only has I think it's a twenty foot line. It's a very short Oh wow, that is short. So why did this one sing? Oh yeah, that's oh, a good question. Yeah, actually, that's yeah, a great question, you, yeah. I'll let you guys in on the behind the scenes on this. It's gonna make us sad, isn't it? It might. Aww. I'm not sure I wanna know. I do. Is it truly sad or is it just uh, actually sad? I don't think it's really that sad. Oh, okay, good. Uh do 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 It just ate a pipe organ. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. It's got a recorder stuck in his throat. What's a pipe organ doing out in the desert? Adventurer. Bard. <laughs> a bard with a pipe organ? He's very weird. So, an infamous Bahir known as the Singing Storm lurks in this sinkhole by day, if you find him in his home, and he's not out hunting, raiding the surrounding desert by night looking for prey. The creature gained its name from its deep breathing, which sounds like air whistling musically through brass pipes. The Singing Storm is a brute opponent, likely to rush into combat at the first sign of intruders in its territory. However, it also has somewhat draconic personality, which manifests in a fondness for music. Hmm. Clever PCs may be able to take advantage of it to calm the beast. Oh. If an opponent succeeds at a DC-20 perform check in combat, the Behir stops, tips its vast head to the side, 
and listens. It does not attack from this position unless provoked, but it responds in kind any ho- against any hostile acts. Another successful perform check, this time at a DC 25, pleases the Behir enough to make dialogue possible. The singing storm possesses considerable knowledge of the parched dunes, and with mm-hmm. gentle words and a successful diplomacy check, the PCs can learn the details and inhabitants of uh, areas G, I, L, and O. <laughs> wow. If you can extrapolate from there, that what Glio. that means. Glio. yeah. You can learn the details of Glio. All right, Jessica is extremely sad. Mm. Yep. We always like to try to talk our way out but of it, why but you would have had whistle? to be a bar. Is it just, Does it have like a deviated no. septum or something? I, yeah, I guess its nose was broken and... Uh, <laughs> He whistles now. But, it, but that's one of those times where you're like, man, if you had a bard. Yeah. Dang it, Elsa. Yeah, yeah. Elsa. Yeah. <laughs> if you had a bard, it would have been, that's the, that's, that it always falls back to that. No party needs a bard, but every party wants one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Dang. It's true. Or somebody with max ranks perform. I mean, it's true. If it, yeah. one of you just happened to be an amazing singer or something like that. Uh, actually, uh, on yours, didn't he have performed poetry? Yeah. Yeah. If on yours was here, he could have, uh, Done some amazing poetry for him. Onurus was not going to do that. He would have just blasted yeah. this. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. Onurus probably the same it. spell even. <laughs> <laughs> Make That's with a, the death. A very good spell. It would have been the exact same fight, except for there would have been a falcon. Oh, <laughs> and no nah. armor. There would have been less cheering because Masika cheers. There would have been less marmor too. Marmor. 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 I can't say my own name anymore. Winding down. Don't make me sad. <laughs> oh no, you forgot to wind me. Masika would never forget that. Yeah. So. And we got to the place with the, the rocky expanse. Yeah, you got to the, the badlands bad there. Yeah. Mm. And uh, started exploring that. You got three days into that as There's you're making your way to go and speak to the bee people. Big bird. And we big found bird, a rock. Big ship. Yeah, you found a. Uh, I do love the incredu- the incredulity of it of just having a ship in the middle of a desert stuck on top of a giant rock spire. I know it's so weird. <laughs> I really are, wanted to dimension door up there and like just be on the ship, but then yeah. the bird landed. It does raise the question: Are do rocks hunt like shrikes, where they like pick up stuff and then drop them on spires to and stuff to kill them? Who knows? You don't even know if it's a rock yeah. yet. It could just be stuff. For all you know, it could be a freaking phoenix hanging out up there. It's oh. a giant crit. <laughs> Yeah, we cool. didn't actually get a. As a side note, I th- I'm actually pretty sure phoenixes in Pathfinder are colossal or gargantuan. I can't remember oh. which. They're oh, giant cool. freaking birds. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe Interesting. we can make contact and get it to fly us, like we're hobbits. Is well, it knows Tadasura, maybe, so we can be like, hey. Yeah, we'd have to have a uh, speak with animal. I think. I think they're animals. Rocks are, but we don't know what this thing is. Yeah, yeah. we don't know. We'll find out. Yeah, next you'll time. find out next time. That is true. I was waiting for you to be like, it lands, and then it looks, and it glances at you, and then it flies towards you, and I'll need everyone to roll initiative uh, next thought, time. And, and I was going to be like, no. laser beams from its eyes. Ah. That would be a different <laughs> adventure. Starfinder, be... what are you doing here? Yeah, get. Hey, you guys, yeah, you ran past some zombies once that shot laser beams. That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That's not unprecedented in this adventure path. I will say before we knew that Bahir was a Bahir, I was hoping it was some sort of outsider because I really wanted to use dismissal and just be like, get. <laughs> yeah. I thought about using Baleful Polymorph, but I was like, that thing's probably got a fortitude. Oh, yeah, it's a big old boy. Good, good luck with that. Well, that, was why, that was why I was like, I prefaced the whole stunning fist thing with, this is probably not going to work because I'm almost positive this thing's got a high yeah. fortitude. For having, save. Uh, for having 12 legs, its reflex saves actually weren't that great. Uh, too many legs. Too many too legs. Many it legs, tripped yeah. up itself. All right. Well, let's transition over to the email portion of our after party. The emails. Email one is from Benjamin, who is Blackbeard on Twitter. Nice. In Hornell, New York. 
I think Benjamin was probably in the first like 20 people that followed us on Twitter. Oh, like, oh really? Yeah, he's been on there uh, supporting uh, supporting the pod and spreading the word and everything since the very beginning. So yeah, thank you, Benjamin. Sweet. Old Blackbeard. Cornell, New York is like a rural farming area, but not the Adirondacks. Um, okay. Rural farming. Didn't we already put someone in Plague Stone? No. <laughs> yeah. There's got to be like other an, farms out there. Yeah, Entrance Folly. Oh, wait, that's the same that's place. That's Yeah, I was going to say, we need like a nice Oh, oh, area. oh, uh, Crypt of the Everflame Town. Cassin. 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 That's an okay Cassin. town. Yeah, uh, yeah. Cassin's good. How about Cassin? You, actually, everyone loves Nermathis, right? Sure. Yeah, good luck with being on the border with uh, Last Ball. Yeah. Woohoo. <laughs> Just stay in first edition. You'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Never proceed to second edition. All right. I actually ben. do. It's a lot of fun. Benjamin says, my wife and I love your podcast. Yay. Awesome. First, because Rick is adverse to praise, I will not praise him specifically. In the abstract, however, I feel like your GM does a really good job. <laughs> Thank you. I've taken some of the things he does and tried to incorporate them into my game, such as the description he uses. Nice. I overuse the word vicious. Well, there's art. <laughs> I love the rules knowledge that everyone has, and I feel like I pick up a new obscure rule every few episodes. Your RP is amazing and really immersing. Yay. Thank you. All right, here's sad paragraph. Well, one sentence anyway. Heather, I'm so sorry about Onuras. He was so cool. Oh, Aww, thank I you. I look forward to your new character, Sagira. Oh, sorry. I think you, I think you meant to say Jessica. He did, but this makes me really. <laughs> Sagira, I love Hollis. As this is a character I have wanted to play, but haven't had the chance. <laughs> Jess is very happy okay, right now. Can I just say? So, in the very beginning, when we started this, one of our amazing fans sent us shirts. That's true. Oh, oh my god! My god. And, yes. oh. and it is now one of Jessica's favorite shirts because it was her character, but it said Onuris the cleric. <laughs> so that kind of stuff is like the greatest. Oh. Jessica thinks it's funny the shirt said Jessica, <laughs> Jessica, comma Sagira, and underneath it it said Onuris the cleric, and it made my whole life. <laughs> she wears it all the time. All the all the time. And all then the, time. the person felt bad and sent me another shirt that was right, but you know I wear that one too. But like the messed up one's the best. Yeah, <laughs> Jessica loves the misprints. So yeah. Anyway, thanks, thanks Benjamin. Thanks. I also have always wanted to play a character like Hollis. Uh, Jordan Sudi is amazing, and I love his backstory and the prestige class you have taken. Yeah, I like it too. Rachel Citra is so much fun, and I love her side. The side story you and Falto have going. I hope you get to use two weapon fighting soon. <laughs> it was another fight, by the way. Another fight. You should just drop it and get something else. Oh, I swear. Like vital strike. Yeah, I was gonna say you should get vital strike for sure. I'm honestly, contemplating it because I never get. I loved I, vital I'm, strike. Yeah, I spent half my time trying to get into position, and then we bam, 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 bam. Everybody hits them, and then it's down, and then I don't get yeah. to use my second attack. Thus is the curse. Yeah. Anyway, so I have a few questions about podcasting. Kay. For years, I have been wanting to do an actual play. Awesome. I recently took some steps toward this goal. Last year, I crowdfunded the 10th anniversary Kingmaker AP. Awesome. Late nice. this year, or early, too, actually. Late this year or early next year, we will be beginning an actual play of it. I am doing research into what other podcasts do as far as recording and editing. Uh, what do you use for software editing? Roughly, how long do you record to get what you use, and how long does the editing process take you? Okay. Rick. So, question number one: <laughs> editing software. Started using Audacity, just because if you're using Audacity for if you're using PC or GarageBand for Mac, both of them are free softwares. They work perfectly fine. I would start out with Audacity. It kind of gets a bad reputation for being generic, but you're also not trying to 
mix a platinum label song or vocals or anything like that you're trying to mix this would technically be considered like an interview style so you don't need as many bells and whistles as another editing program would give you as far as the amount of time that we spend recording, usually we record anywhere from about 45 minutes to two hours. And then that gets edited down to the length of the episode that we need. Usually about eh, 15 minutes or so gets cut out, dead air, all that good stuff. Whenever we record for 45 minutes, Rick just splices random conversations in to fill yeah. it out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that doesn't actually happen. He, doesn't do he that follows all. us I, with a recorder I, at all times. I can't remember the last time we actually recorded for just 45 minutes beyond like yeah, an after party. But it's usually about an hour. Yeah. yeah. And uh, as far as the amount of time it takes to edit, usually because we do multiple pass, the safest thing to say would be for every hour that you record, you'll probably spend two hours editing. That's usually about a safe bet. So, and if you I do think- as we do, where I add, we record our Sirenscape onto a separate track and then add the track back in, the Sirenscape probably takes an additional two hours past that. Cool. The end. The Next end. email. <laughs> Thanks, ben. Good, Thanks, Ben. Good luck with your uh, with your actual Teamaker. play, Benjamin. And uh, please let us know what you're going to do. And I'm I'm curious to see whether or not you're going to do it in first or second edition, since that's both going to be available. Or fifth edition apparently is going to be available from that Kickstarter. Yeah. Let me just say, I'm going to throw it out there, and you don't have to use it. But at some point, we talked about doing Kingmaker, but then we didn't. But I was going to play a Diminator, which is a Minotaur but small, essentially like a half orc but a Minotaur. <laughs> And he was going to be a very sweet, sweet, sweet baby who had somehow escaped from his labyrinth and didn't understand the world, but was a druid. So if you want to play a really cute druid (laughs) Diminotaur that just escaped from his labyrinth, you are welcome to use that character idea. We also discussed how you would use hedge hedge mazes to uh, surround my city, surround the city. And I would conjure (laughs) animals in to like guard them. Yes, yes, yes. It was a whole, it was a whole. Hit me up if you want this concept. I'm happy to give it because I don't think we're ever getting around to that. Probably not. All right. Email two. Michael from Sandpoint. Nice. Hello. Hello, Michael. Hello, doorkeepers and Rick. Hello. Hi. You're not one of us, Rick. It's true. You're in parentheses. (laughs) It's true. I am above all of you. I'm oh, the, whatever. Uh, you're oh, to the gasp. side. You're I'm, gasp. I'm the first amongst equals. You're going to get a pin thrown at you is what you're going to get. Oh, <laughs> man. I started running Rise of the Rune Lords for a group, and so far it has been an absolute blast. Awesome. I've been trying to read more now, as I find that gets me into a better storytelling mindset. Okay. I just finished the Stormlight Archive, and it's got me feeling really inspired. Generally, mm. what media gets you most inspired when creating a character or preparing a campaign? Thanks for sharing your world. With the world, it gives me something else to look forward to in the week. Okay, because I see that expression on Rachel's face, so that doesn't take forever. Everyone gets one. 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 I have a category, not no. like category. a single thing. You can you can throw okay. out a category. That's fine. I'm, category and one example. I'm a former English teacher, so I spend a very long time reading YA. Some of the YA books that have come out recently are absolutely amazing, and some of them really get me in the mindset that I'm like, yeah. I want to do something like this. Um, my favorite that I've read recently is still um, Six of Crows by Leigh Bardugo. Mm. Um, it's all about a heist, and it's a freaking amazing. Her character development is just wonderful, and it makes me want to go do that with my characters. Awesome. Next. Next, I suppose me. This would actually this would probably work a little bit better for uh, Starfinder, but I really enjoy when I play a game that has a great character development and great world building. And while the character development may have been a little bit less, but the world building it was amazing. I recently played through uh, Outer Worlds, mm. yeah. And from like a Starfinder perspective, 
going to like a planet run by Abadar Corps or something like that, where it's just like <laughs> over the top corporations and everything. I think that that would be a great place to look for inspiration and world building. And you could even take that a step further and do something where you could draw a lot of inspiration for Rise of the Rune Lords from a game such as, uh, I'd even say maybe Dragon Age. I think you could do some interesting, at the very least, the architectural style and everything for uh, Dragon Age 2, I think it was, where it had the really big architectural style and the sharp angles. It should be a really cool Thessalonian kind of thing. So, video games. Cool. Those, and also, I follow really amazing artists on Twitter and Tumblr. Um, and so, occasionally, I'll find, like, somebody will do this really cool landscape with, like, interesting buildings and, like, weird stuff. Or, like, they'll post a bunch of random sketches of other people's characters. And I don't use those exactly or anything. But, like, every now and then, I'll be like, huh, that's a really cool cloak. Maybe I'll think of someone that has a really cool cloak, and it'll go from there. Mm-hmm. Man, that's... I just get inspired from literally, like, any media I consume. Um, So, uh, specifically books, and for me, audiobooks, because I don't get nearly enough time to read. I listen to audiobooks in the car when I'm driving to and from work. And uh, it's... the, The interesting thing for me is when I find a new system that really inspires me because of how unique it is. So, a unique magic system or a really interesting take on science fiction... Uh, what's something that I read recently? Uh, so I recently started reading through the Undying Mercenaries uh, series, which is really interesting sci-fi because they are a mercenary corp that has regenerative, you know, machines that basically just reprint them whenever they die, and so like their gear is more is worth more than their actual lives, and so like it's a really interesting kind of like twist on the whole like starship troopers kind of uh thing so it kind of like just got in my head of like wow what would that be if you had that kind of technology and you could just like extreme sports don't matter and all this stuff so i I try to find really unique takes on the world just on a side note or something to kind of look into based on what jordan was just saying you can always go really far back and look at the works of jack vance and his magic system is the uh it's vancian magic is what they refer to it as which all d20 systems use quote-unquote vancian magic the idea of preparing your magic and then expending it not oh being able yeah, to use yeah. It again. it's all based off of the works of jack vance who is a weird fiction and uh, sci-fi writer his writing style takes a lot of getting used to mm-hmm. but he has really inspired worlds you know i'm gonna go back to video games because i a lot of inspiration can be found there Um, I'm playing Fire Emblem Three Houses on the Switch right now, and it makes me think of, like, what the War College in Last Wall must have been like. Yeah. You know, it's one of those, hey, okay, you're in your classes specializing in things, and oh, every once in a while you go out and do this actual real mission and then go back to school afterwards. So, Mm. you know, Mm. that's cool. All right. Well, thanks, Michael. Hope that helps. Yeah, thank you so much. (laughs) All right, next email from Matt. Tells us nothing about where he's from. I choose to believe he's from the void. (laughs) Wow, you just put him right into space? Dang. What else is nothing? You could have at least called it the Dark Tapestry. Oh, maybe he's like a Kasothan traveler. From yes. The, oh, yeah. yeah okay, apparently world. he's coming to us from Starfinder. Well, no, no. What, <laughs> maybe, They're still there. Maybe, oh, he was, maybe he was on a part of the ship that crashed in Numeria. Oh, that's right. And woke yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, and maybe, and maybe, you know, Matt's sitting there uh, quad-wielding scimitars, tearing his way through the, technically, who knows? All right. Good luck go. with that, Matt. That's my headcanon now. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everyone. I've been listening to your Mummy's Mask playthrough, and I'm loving it. I Thank really you. enjoy that everyone does a unique voice for their character. Uh, <laughs> I have a question, though. When you eventually finish Mummy's Mask, what then? I'd love to play vicariously through you, as you all would play Age of Ashes with 2nd Edition. Keep up the good work, everyone. 
Well, I don't see us finishing Mummy's Mask in the next year. Oh yeah, no, it'll be at least probably three. I I, I don't think. I think the end will be in sight by episode two hundred. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm hoping. That's for. what we're hoping for. <laughs> and so, I honestly think that there that Paizo puts out so many adventures. There are so many adventure paths from first edition we would love to do. There are yeah. so many adventure paths in second edition we would love to do. I can only imagine what 2022 will have on the list of amazing adventure path ideas. That That is the biggest problem with being a Paizo fan, especially when you go to PaizoCon, you get yeah. so excited for adventure paths, yeah. you never have the time to play them. Banquet is so much I mean, fun. At, yeah, as of the time of recording this, I just recently got my copy of the first book of Extinction Curse. Mm. Yeah. And I want to run a game where everyone's in a circus. We love circuses. I, know. I actually had a character. I think it was our Carrion Crown uh, thing. When my yeah. character grew up in a carnival. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> so. Well, and considering it has downtime abilities, it, I will just throw this out there. Leave it at this. Won't even go into details on it. It does give you the special ability called literally send in the clowns. <gasps> So you're just—it's it. like something's going wrong. Screw it, send in the clowns. <laughs> nice. And then I wipe my hands of it. <laughs> but you know, as of right now, we are doing Mummy's Mask. Uh, we are also doing Tyrant's Grass for our uh, fine Patreon supporters out there, patrons. Let's just say that there—we always have other plans and ideas in the work. Sadly, there are literally not enough hours in the day for us to record to do every single project that we want to do. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, well, let's, let's be honest. If, if we were all doing this full time, doing nothing but basically eat, sleep, and play this, play these games, we would still not get it all done. Yeah, it's just yeah. there's so much Paizo content out there. It's so good. But all of that being said, let's just say. You may be hearing something once again, as we've always stated, once we are comfortable with the second edition rules, you may be hearing something about that. I would hazard to say soon being a relative term. Ooh. Stay tuned, Pathfinders. Don't make it sound so ominous. I mean, when you're least expecting it. <laughs> when you need it most. Sorry, I really, I really should have done an adventure path where I could just be ominous all the time. I think Hi, you... we're playing Tyrant's Grass. Yeah. Are you going to open the door? Yes. Are you? Yes. No, yes. I hate doors. I run. <laughs> wrong, it also lets me use the proximity effect. Uh, just on the subject of recording things, proximity effect, your friend. True. All right. Well, thanks, Matt. Hopefully that was uh, fun for you as it was for us. Yeah, good luck. All right. Last one. Also from a mic. Except this one goes by Mike and not Michael. Mike, Hi, Mike. from Blood Cove, a.k.a. Perth, Western Australia. Oh, nice. Mike's written him before. Sup. He says, uh, <laughs> meowdy, y'all. <laughs> yeah. I'm a fan of this. <laughs> He's getting brownie points. What does he want? <laughs> I am finally all caught up on the main Mummy's Mask podcast, and I have been having a blast. Everyone on the team is great to listen to. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You, I don't know why I'm saying like I said. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. Oh, yes, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. There's your Disney song for the episode. You keep the story moving and everyone's characters, including the NPCs that Rick gets to inhabit, are all really rooted in the setting. I particularly love Tetmanib's Chuckles and I listen at 1.3 times speed, which makes uh, which made Kwasin's motor mouth extra hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a trick. That's a pro move, by the way, to like speed up the uh, the podcast. Just going to throw this out here, by the way. Uh, the hardest NPC that I've ever had to do voice acting for. Uh -huh. 
I tend said. to be a very slow, methodical talker. Oh, so yeah. doing a character that speaks nonstop is very difficult for me. Yeah, I have the opposite problem. Ah, yeah, same. Um, <laughs> my favorite moment was probably the cliffhanger with the crypt thing teleporting half the party away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ah, that was fun that was time. Uh, no, no, not fun time. That was interesting. What a great moment to drop the world out from under the party and <laughs> the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've heard you mention playing other APs. Could you pick one and say a little about the characters you all played? If Rick was the GM, maybe talk about some memorable NPCs from that AP. Stay awesome, Mike. Okay. Uh, I say we all try to keep this down to about like a minute. Well, what AP yes, are we got to pick. pick one? Oh, just every, everyone picks one character and then talks about one character for yeah. whatever AP you want. No, I think you're supposed to pick one AP and everyone talk about the characters they played in that AP. So okay. the, well, one, the only one we've all played yeah, in actually, uh, is uh, Carrying Crown. Crown. Yeah, mm. yeah Mike, if you're uh, familiar with our Tyrant's Grass playthrough, then you may be aware that Ross Scoggin has joined the crew. Ross was the GM for one, so it's the only game that we'd all five played in together as yep. players. Mm-hmm. Am I oh, going? and it's Carrying Crown. Yeah, it's Carrying Crown. Carrying yeah. Crown. Yes. If you don't want to hear about Carrying Crown at all, um, well, mm-hmm. I think I think we can honestly uh, make these statements without any spoilers. Yeah. Okay. All right, Rick, you start. Okay. Uh, so for Carrying Crown, I played a uh, human inquisitor by the name of Gavril Valdruva the Seventh. Gavril was a uh, inquisitor for asthma from the city of Lepidstadt, whom uh, the entire campaign is based around the idea of being friends with a professor Lorimore. Gavril was his a teacher's assistant and then left to go and pursue the church and then was uh, was brought back into the whole conspiracy story that runs in the background for carrying crown uh he was a reincarnated individual through time through one of the background traits that gives you bonuses to save against death effects which of course if you're playing carrying crown is going to be a great thing Mm. uh in addition to that i took the sin eater archetype which was a whole lot of fun Mm. and uh, i found it very very interesting and uh it was actually i think it was a functional build uh a lot of fun also yeah i was gonna say the sin eater was interesting because it gave you a reason to kill steel (laughs) because <laughs> yeah. yeah. then you got to like eat the sins and get health back so it was mm-hmm. actually like we kind of like almost wanted Gavril to kill the things yeah yep. so yeah that was my character I'm gonna let Jordan go first because I think we should go back to back oh okay that makes sense um, okay so I played a character named Annabelle um, I will keep her last name a secret because it was kind of spoilery um, and she was this rich little girl who like trained as like you know a bit of an acrobat and, like voice. fencing and stuff oh god and do so the voice. she was a, she was just a darling southern belle who just didn't understand why everything had to be so hard and so she had her her carriage and her driver alexi that went around with everybody and so she just you know it would just stab people in a full dress with like a little uh, parasol she had tearaway clothes i did i okay so the the best part about it was i took the rich parents of course and i literally spent like a hundred gold on tearaway clothes and wigs and makeup disguise kits and then yep. used used it like once or twice I think no, the tearaway clothes we used a lot no yeah. tearaway clothes we used all the time but like yeah so I have like a full dress that just like rip off and it's just like you know black like leather outfit leather armor or whatever <laughs> yeah Annabelle was it was amazing a hilarious mess it was a great time. mess it was grand it was yeah. fun um I played Sylvia Gray who was a Dampier Oracle dual cursed oracle uh, with the shadow mystery who started out worshipping Phrasma probably not where her power came from because they don't have the shadow domain and her curses were shattered mind and wrecker both of which can be a real pain but the payoff is amazing 
And Dual Curse is amazing because you get to do Fortune and Misfortune, which I miss every single game I play that's not with Sylvia. <laughs> yeah. That save um, does more than like a yeah. hundred times probably. Yeah, but did. Sylvia's whole thing was that she grew up in Thrushmore with her brother who Heather played. Uh, had a mom that was great but died and a dad that was awful. And her mom was bitten by a vampire when she was pregnant, which is why Sylvia was a dampier. I went with that myth. And uh, the town was real insular and not nice. And... Uh, she kind of uh, had a little bit of a chip on her shoulder and uh, really liked necromancy. Uh, not raising dead, obviously, because Gavril probably would have killed her. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, like all the other fun necromancy stuff. Yep. And like just said, I played Simon Gray. He was an 11-year-old little boy. Um, I was a summoner, and my summon was a daemon that was based off the uh, Slender Man creepypasta stories. Simon was a creepy little kid. I mean, kids in town didn't like to play with him because his sister was a damn fear, so they pretty much stuck to themselves. Simon was fun. Um, I, I, I've slid down towards the evil alignment spectrum towards the end of that game. <laughs> uh, also, budding lawyer. Yes. Yeah. Which so. are like 12 year old boy who took, like, uh, was it I had Max Race. Yeah, you had Max Race. I was good. <laughs> <laughs> he was good. Simon was a good lawyer. Also had like, what was it, Max Ranks Bluff too? Yeah, oh, Simon yeah. could yeah. lie. Oh my gosh, I really miss Simon. Liar. I think he's the only one too. that could lie to Gavril. <laughs> yeah, Bjorka almost could. Still yeah. had less than a 50% chance of success, so you can't really, lie to the Inquisitor. So that was fun. True. <laughs> well, my character was named uh, Bjorka Malakar. For being in this group, uh, <laughs> she was actually the normal one, despite the fact <laughs> that she was raised in a carnival. Yeah, um, she was she, the character you were talking about earlier that mm-hmm. you had from a carnival. Uh, yes, um, she was raised in a carnival. She's actually a changeling that like heard the call. She would not believe Sylvia. And just was in utmost denial about it. She was like, nah. She liked her parents and she kept it. But I mean, it was it was probably pretty obvious considering half her hair was black and half of it was bright red because her little changeling self couldn't decide between her two parents what hair it was supposed to be. <laughs> so, which is actually written in my backstory. Yeah. But yeah, uh, she was a sorceress. Um, I had some pretty awesome boom spells. That was She great. dated the ringleader's son. I, I did. So I, my, my character wore the ringleader's jacket throughout the entire campaign. It was just funny because out of out of everyone in the group, like I was like, man, I made a weird character, and then I meet everyone else, and I was like, oh my hey. god, I'm normal. <laughs> my original character concept was actually a little weirder, and I brought it into something traditional because the group needed to have that pillar. Yeah. yeah, we were a bunch of weirdos. We were a bunch of weirdos. Well, that's that's. I think in general we try not to do an entire party of weirdos just because it's very hard to stay serious. I while think you're I doing played that. one non-weirdo in my entire like life. I kind of trade off. I do one weird character, one normal I like character. Two. <laughs> that was a fun group. That was a fun group. Anyway, that's it for emails. But guess what? We are bringing back the casting of the deities. Oh, yeah, dun, boy. Dun, dun, dun. We got So we took a break from casting gods for a little while after casting the core 20. And now that the Lost Omens Gods and Magic is out, it presents not only the core 20, but what the Paizo staff affectionately refer to as the other 20. Sweet. Which are 20 other additional deities who have prominent positions in the world or uh, society, many of which I could look at and immediately name and know exactly whom they are. Some of which I looked at and went, I have no idea who the heck this person is, Yep. but they're important to the world. I'm so ready. Uh, it should be a fun thing. So Jess, why don't you start us off with a D20? Sweet. I rolled an 11. All right. Please be someone I at least mildly okay. recognize. Go ahead. Nope. For our first 
new casting, we are going to cast Gruhasta the Keeper. Ooh, that sounds fun. Gruhasta the Keeper is a deity of understanding, peace, and the collective pursuit of enlightenment. The once mortal nephew of Iori is believed to have ascended to godhood himself after creating the holy book as Veda Prajala as uh, fully embodying all divine wisdom within the text. Originating in Vudra, the Keeper's faith has slowly gained popularity in the inner sea region, particularly in Jalmare, where Iori already has a wide following. Gruhasta manifests as a human man with an idealized form, augmented with wings of red and green plumage, and a golden mandala as a halo. Gruhasta teaches compassion for all beings, and that enlightenment is attained through knowledge guided by wisdom and empathy. His priests and followers are dedicated to educating others, yet recognize that they too are constantly learning. They do not hold one's culture's teachings as superior to another's and seek to preserve and honor the cultural traditions wherever they go, as there are many valid paths to enlightenment. In seeking knowledge, Gruhastan's work to understand, respect, celebrate, and support everyone on their own personal journeys to transcendence. Temples are open to all and maintain extensive libraries to encourage multilingual literacy. Books are often freely given and taken from the Keeper's shrines. Aware that it's difficult to prioritize education or seek transcendence when basic needs are unmet, the Keeper's advocates work to remove structural barriers and ensure everyone has access to basic comforts and tools they need to guide themselves towards enlightenment. As Gruhastans also practice nonviolence, although force is accepted as necessary in some instances, champions of Gruhasta are rare. However, clerics, paladins, redeemers, and all of his followers share the same commitment to truth, equity, and justice. Okay. Um, Someone in mind. I did two. Oh, I have two. One. You, one. I mean, I know mine, but it's going to be a weird choice. <laughs> well, you, you're hosting. You're hosting, so you can go first or last. I want to go last. You want to go last? Okay. Uh, then I guess I'll go ahead and go. Um, so I'm gonna go with Dev Patel. Dang it! No. Uh, That's why you should go first. No, uh, I take it back. I go first. No, too late. Already happened. No, um, no. Yeah, Magic so, of editing. Uh, I, I refuse. I'm gonna talk the whole time you're talking. <laughs> rude boy. Rude. Rude. I'm sorry rude. that we had the same idea. Rude. You can have the same idea though. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, but she just wants to be the first. I want to be first. No. I am first. Why are you looking at me? I'm not in charge of this right now. <laughs> Fine, then be first. No, you can go first. I was kidding. <laughs> Let's go at the same time. Just leave that out completely unedited. Let's go at the same time. <laughs> All right. All right, we're going to go at the same time. Ready? Okay. One, One two, two, three. three. Dev, Dev Patel. Patel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Did you go to Slumdog Millionaire? No, Chappie. Chappie, yeah, okay. I went, I went Slumdog yes. Millionaire. Cause he's so nice to Chappie and Chappie, and I loved him. Yeah, no, I, I like, I've, I can't, I can only think of one thing he's been in that I've really disliked, and it was the Avatar: Last Airbender movie. Well, that wasn't his. Which, fault. <laughs> I mean, let's be real, that was, that was not his fault. But everything mm. else, I've really enjoyed him being in. Yeah, he's a cute boy. Also, he's like, he just looks like a nice person. Well, there you go. Am I allowed to do two? No. 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 I can't just suggest. You can do one. I can. I can do my one right now if you'd like. But that doesn't help me. You uh, didn't pick one of mine. It's probably not going to be one of yours. Mine's a really far out there one. What is it? Just go. Uh, oh, okay. Well, then I will go next. Okay. We're having so, a struggle here. I have two. That's my problem. You always have two. I know. Flip a coin. So, uh, and this one, this one is as far out there as it absolutely gets. But one, I love this man as an actor. Two, one of the nicest actors in Hollywood. Three, plays an incredible intellectual character in a quirky sort of way. Danny Pudi. 
who oh, plays Abed in Community. Abed, yeah. He is amazing. I love him as an actor, and he's just a wonderful person. Yeah. Those first two made me think Terry Crews, and then you didn't go there. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> That's probably smart. Nope, Terry nope, Crews would have been weird casting. Danny, I, I just, I love him in any interviews. Like, he is, he is super nice to his fans. He's a great yeah. guy. Uh, and from what I understand, you know, he himself is actually, he's a pretty intellectual individual and tends to play very intellectual characters, uh, even if oftentimes they're very quirky individuals. True. Yeah, he did a fantastic job in Community. Like, yeah. I think one of the reasons why I think Community did so well was because of his character. Like, so I, I could see him kind of being the sort of uh, quirky intellectual man to Iori straight man. Mm. Uh. Make an amazing uh, comedy duo. Interesting. interesting. So yeah, Danny Pudi. I love that guy. Okay. Nice. All right, I've got mine. I was gonna go with a different, no. one, but I didn't. I went for this one because I think he fits better. Um, oh gosh, I hope I'm saying this right. Sintil Ramamurthy. I actually remembered him from a random episode of Psych back in the day. Oh. He was actually on uh, Heroes for a while. Is he the cute Indian he guy is, in the episode oh. of Bollywood? Yes, he oh. is. Oh, this he, is one um, handsome wait, wait, wait. man. <laughs> okay, <laughs> on Heroes, he plays Simon Majumdar. Yes, is and he, I couldn't remember his name. Is he the one that was in like two episodes of The Office? Yes. Wait, Simon yeah. Majumdar, like yeah. the chef? Wait, is it not? Simon Majumdar is a chef. Uh, no, no, no. I think his I think his name no, is Majumdar. I mean, it like could that. be both. I didn't really watch it. Geneticist okay, Mohinder Suresh. Mohinder Suresh. I was completely yeah. wrong. You thought of that. And then he, he was also on Covert Affairs, but I didn't really watch that. But he's just... He saw his brain on his, Jordan Ramsey. He's just got a great smile and that hair... Mm. Like, you just want to run your fingers through. I do love him. Yeah. He's pretty awesome. I mean, I'm still team Dev Patel, but I do love that guy, too. Yeah. So, that's my choice. Psych. Excellent. No, oh, good, good one. All right, so I'm going to go with uh, Kumail Nanjiani. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So he's, like, going to be in an upcoming Marvel movie, so he's, like, super ripped right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have some pictures of him, <laughs> yeah. and he is looking nice. So that kind of fits the whole, like... Physical perfection. Physical yeah, perfection. yeah, perfection thing. And also, he's done some ro- he's done some comedy stuff. Some, he's so nice. Some, like, yes, yeah. Well, he's he funny, also though. did. Uh, was um, the big sick was yeah, kind of funny. Sick, like, also, I didn't see it, but I heard we've decided really that Gruhasta has like a is basically Ori's like comedic sidekick. Well, he's a I mean, nice you guy. Have, you can't have Iori and then his you know side guy be like also super serious. That's boring. Have he you ever seen be... any buddy cop movies? Yeah. <laughs> well, and like he's described as being this kind of compassionate Passionate, guy, yeah. and that's not going to yeah, be the straight man. That's yeah. Comedians so, are good because they can empathize. Exactly. We, we got some solid choices. Good luck here. out there. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, good luck voting for that. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Def Definitely Def got two out of uh, uh, five votes. Two out of five FTP crew people agree, Def Patel. <laughs> <laughs> so? He also has nice hair that I would run my fingers through were I given permission. <laughs> Well, I like that you, you at least wait for permission. It reminds me of it reminds me of the uh, Graham Norton episode when David Tennant was on there, and this random audience member asked, um, you know, a favor and everything. She's like, "I just want to run my fingers through your hair," and he was like, "You want to do what?" <laughs> she's like, "I just want to run my fingers through your hair," and he was like, "Okay." So he goes to the edge of the stage and is like, "What do you want me to do?" And she's like, "Just, just." Bend over. <laughs> so he bends over the stage, and she literally just goes to town and just is like rubbing her fingers. And afterward, he's like, "Oh, I'm glad I'm sitting behind a desk." <laughs> oh, David Tennant. <laughs> Only in a Scottish accent, because you know, yeah, yeah. David Tennant. <laughs> well, there you go. Good luck picking out of those great actors. Um, Pathfolk 
And uh, catch you next time. Bye-bye. Yep. Welcome to the new hundred. It's true. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, boy. The better hundred, maybe. <laughs> Hopefully. I Bigger, stronger, faster, higher challenge ratings. Oh, we, can rebu- we can rebuild them, but we don't have a lot of money. <laughs> now, now with 100% more Narmer. 100%. Yeah. It's true. It's true. I will be the main character now. No. <laughs> Look at me. I'm the main character now. Look at me. Look at me. Put him in a sack. I'm the captain now. Put him in his bag. <laughs> Put him right there in that there bag. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Paths are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.